Welcome, my friends, to the Daily Gator Daily Thought. If you're left, you just ain't right podcast. It's the Friday edition. Almost a weekend. It's a, it's a very close. You'll see the weekend is a really, really close. It's a good thing, huh? You buy some beer, you buy some nachos, you uh, eat too much, you wake up with a stomach ache if you're old. But if you're young, I guess you can get away with that stuff. I can't anymore. Uh, here we go. Let's start out with some some good news. You like good news, don't you? I like good news. And too much of the news is not good news. It's bad news, negative news. Uh, it's the it's the all shit news too much of the time. Here's some good news from Betting Arms from a couple days ago. Iowa student sues over Second Amendment t-shirt suspension. Basically, she wore a Second Amendment supporting T-shirt to school. Uh, she got suspended over it, and she got a lawyer, an attorney, a legal advocate, if you will. She sued. She won. And hopefully the, hopefully the teacher who started this will be fired because they need to be fired. That's the lesson here is you can't do that. You can't take someone's First Amendment rights away because you want to be a status or you don't like the message. Uh, let me see who Cam Edwards wrote this. An Iowa high schooler has filed a federal lawsuit alleging that her school district and a civics teacher violated her First Amendment rights by suspending her for wearing a pro-Second Amendment t-shirt to class, a case that could one day have far-reaching implications for students across the country. In the complaint, which is the topic of today's Bearing Arms Cam and Company, there's a video attached. You should go watch it on, uh, uh, I think the center Cam and Company, Bearing Arms Cam and Company on YouTube. I think it's on uh, Rumble, too, and, and several other sites. I'm sure video sites, but watch it. It's good stuff. Cam's a good guy. Um, the student, uh, identified by her initials, A.B., alleges that just two days after discussing the students' rights to free speech in class, teacher Thomas Griffin removed her from class and suspended her for wearing a T-shirt promoting the Second Amendment, claiming the shirt, the T-shirt was inappropriate. It hurt my feelings. I don't think you should wear it anymore. That's inappropriate. I don't know what inappropriate means, but I don't know a lot of words because I'm a leftist. Uh, Griffin told his students that although they had some, some right to free speech, you've got some right to free speech, but only if I approve, you see. I'm the, I'm the commissar. I'm the boss here, okay? Just call me Premier Dickhead. Um, that right was extremely limited when the student stepped on school property. Extremely limited. Mm, I don't think so. I got to tell you right now, I'm not a legal expert. Uh, I'm not an attorney, not a lawyer, not an ambulance chaser. But I do know that I've read the Constitution many times, and I've never seen anything that would indicate to me that your right to speak, to s discuss what you want, wear a T-shirt, whatever, should be or, or is extremely limited. That's that's a big word, extremely uh, let me see. Griffin told his students that their teacher, in this case, him, would decide what was acceptable speech in the classroom. 
Oh, was that a red flag at us so? I think it was a red flag. Uh, and with respect to clothing, which was at the very core of the Tinker case, uh, Griffin told his students that he would not allow students to wear anything, any clothing that depicts guns, alcohol, or any other, quote, inappropriate material. So guns are inappropriate to him. Apparently, it's the Second Amendment. It's in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. It's a God-given right, natural right, as recognized and enshrined in our Constitution by the founders, but it's, it's inappropriate. No, it is appropriate. Okay? Now, A.B. knew that Griffin was wrong about the scope of the First Amendment, so the next time she had Griffin's government class, which was on September 1st of last year, she wore a shirt to school. The shirt said, what part of shall not be infringed do you not understand? With a depiction of a rifle underneath it. Oh my God, a depiction of a rifle? Was anybody killed? Was it a depiction of a, a, a mass shooting rifle or weapon of war or uh, one of those things? Oh my God, I'm so triggered. I think uh, the picture was of a AR-15 style weapon. Uh, it could have been an AR-10 and liberals would never know it because they don't know anything about guns. The teacher probably doesn't either. Uh, actually, an AR-10 is more powerful than an AR-15. It's a higher caliber, but it looks the same. But if you just said, I don't have an AR-15, I have an AR-10, they'd probably go, oh, that's a smaller number, 10's less than 50. That's good. That's a good stop. That's how much they know about firearms, my friends. Uh, A.B. had worn the shirt in school before with no complaints from students, teachers, or administrators. And A.B.'s brother, who graduated from Johnson High School in 2019, had worn the same shirt to school multiple times with no complaints. So the shirt had a track record of being worn with no bitching, no whining, no moaning, no complaining. No harm done. Have a good day, nice shirt, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Griffin, <laughs> the teacher, who teaches the Bill of Rights, I think maybe he should understand what the Bill of Rights are before he teaches about them, maybe. I uh, knew that shirt, that shirt was quoting the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and he knew it was a commentary on gun control efforts. Nevertheless, he claimed the shirt had violated the school's dress code, and he removed A.B. from the classroom, sending her to school, uh, the school administration office. A.B. told Griffin she had a right to wear the shirt, which was not causing any disruption in the class. Other than any disruption, Griffin himself created by removing A.B. from the classroom. But Griffin said he was wrong about the First Amendment and that the administration would back him up. As you can see, there's a picture of the shirt. There's no depiction of anything. Just the words, a black shirt, white lettering, the, uh, the outline of the rifle. That's it. Uh, the lawsuit alleges that later that evening, however, A.B.'s mom... Uh, Janet Bristow received a call from the school's district superintendent. He called, or she called, it doesn't say which gender, and yes, there's only two. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but the school's uh, district superintendent called to apologize. Mia culpa. So sorry. Uh, ignore the teacher. He's an idiot, okay? I apologize sincerely. Don't sue us, please. 
as well as a su- similar mea culpa from Chris Billings, who is the di- executive director of school leadership. That evening, Johnson Community School District Superintendent Laura Kaser called Bristow to apologize. And wow, there was a long line of people putting the chap- chapstick on to come kiss this young lady's rear end. Shortly after Kaser's called, Billings emailed AB uh, to apologize. He stated he now recognizes that this is considered political speech. He knew it before, he just didn't like it. Uh, Bristow asked the school official that Griffin also apologize to AB and address the students in the class. The student knew AB had been removed from the classroom because of her shirt and informed them that he was wrong in claiming that AB's shirt was not protected speech. Now, according to the suit, Griffin did not apologize to AB or issue any corrective statement to students. Additionally, despite the district's apology, the suspension remains uh, in the student file of this young lady. Her attorney says the district's actions are in direct violation of the Supreme Court's decision in Tinker versus Des Moines, a seminal free speech case that also original originated rather in Iowa in the 1960s when they then high schooler Mary Beth Tinker uh, sued after she was disciplined for wearing a black armband in protest of the Vietnam War. In his decision, the court made it clear the students don't shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. And as AB's attorney notes, established the precedent that unless the speech in question causes substantial disruption, promotes illegal conduct, or is lewd, indecent, or vulgar, it is constitutionally protected. So there. Now the Des Moines Register reached out to Tinker and other free speech advocates, uh, such as UCLA law professor Eugene Volok and the uh, and the Foundation for Individual Rights and Education's Adam Steinbaugh, for comment uh, on the suit. She was the only one who sided with the school district. Uh, so there, this kid uh, was was done wrong. Okay, she'd worn the shirt before. Her brother had worn the shirt before, no problems, until this teacher decided he knew exactly what the founders meant when anyone should be able to speak in a school, a student. And he's wrong. He's completely wrong. Um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with it. But uh, now two similar cases have already been heard in courts in Wisconsin and Virginia, and students were ultimately able to prevail in their challenges uh, Bullock says that likely will be the outcome here as well, at least if the school district doesn't decide to settle before the lawsuit goes to trial, which they may well do. With anti-gunners ramping up their efforts to delegitimize the right to keep and bear arms and criminalize modern sporting rifles, however, A.B. probably won't be the last student to run into school officials who are willing to trample on the First Amendment uh, in order to silence their support for the second. So there you go, my friends. Good for you, young lady, standing up for yourself. Good for you and best of luck in all your future endeavors. And keep wearing the shirt. Now from uh, Granite Grok. I've never read any material from Granite Grok yet. I've never used on a podcast. I'm doing it now. So Granite Grok is, is like a virgin, basically. And we won't say any more. Uh, Once again, congressional progressives show they believe government owns you and your company. That's Democrats 
and some Republicans, sadly, uh, they are basically statists. Call them whatever, but basically they have the status mindset that the government owes your money, owns your business, owns your income. And whatever they get to get to authorize you to keep, you should be grateful for it, basically. You can call it the hubris of high office, the insolence of long-term office holder, or progressives on parade, or at least three at once, or all three at once. But these two short paragraphs show that these folks have no interest in governing. That's the big problem with government. They're supposed to govern, but they don't govern very often. And when they do, they usually screw it up. And they usually look for whatever's in it for them. And they don't look at business owners, private individuals, as free people. You can do what we let you do, but that's about it. Uh, let me see. They believe that you are ruled by them. That's very true. And they have no problem in letting you know that one way or another. So Elon Musk, who makes progressives' heads explode simply by breathing, breathe morally, Elaine, uh, Elon, Mr. Musk, breathe more. Please breathe more. Uh, I want to see heads exploding, people. Not literally. It's a figure of speech. I don't want to see anyone's head explode. Okay, that's that's messy stuff. I don't want to see that. Uh, he met with a number of Republicans, uh, House Republicans, but happened to run into House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries who's a Democrat, an angry Democrat uh, from New York. The Democrats are very impressed by him for, for some reason. I don't know why. And that was, the, that was the only Democrat he talked to while he was there. They were snubbed, in other words. Elon didn't go and, and, and kiss the behinds of the Democrats, kiss their rings. How dare he? What's he think? He's the richest man in the world or something? Uh, Representative Jan Schakowsky. Dumbass, I'm sorry, the D it doesn't stand for dumb, it stands for Democrat. Even though if you've ever heard Jan Schuskowski talk, you understand why I would be confused uh, whether the D stands for Democrat or dumbass. But she is a Democrat from Illinois, told the news outlet that Musk's failure, listen closely, to meet with congressional Democrats is seriously a mistake, and I think it would be a good thing to have him come and explain himself. Well, let me see. Your parents can ask you to explain yourself. Uh, your boss can ask it. Uh, your wife can ask it. And we know the wife's the boss. I've never even been married. I know that much. Uh, but Congress is not your boss necessarily, unless you've broken some law and they're trying to get you for it. But if you come to D.C. and you don't talk with congressional Democrats... It's uh, no harm, no foul, frankly. They have to learn to live with it. When asked about Musk, Representative Adam Schiff, pencil neck man himself of California, said, I am deeply concerned with how he's running that company into the ground. Probably all that Russian disinformation, right? Right there, Mr. Mr. Pencil Neck. It seems like a vanity project that is going wrong with an explosion of hate speech on that platform. If I wanted to hear hate speech, all I got to do is listen to most congressional Democrats, quite frankly, Mr. Schiff, pencil neck. And really, 
when you have freedom of speech, I have to keep explaining this to the left. They don't get it. When you have freedom of speech, some people will disagree with what other people say. Some feelings may be hurt. Eagles may be bruised. Pride may be damaged a bit. But uh, that's goes with freedom of speech. And Adam Schiff has a, a bad habit of just saying whatever pops into his head. And generally, it's disinformation, misinformation, or uh, hate speech. Everything's hate speech. Misinformation, disinformation, hate speech. Adam Schiff, he doesn't understand freedom of speech has a meaning. Uh, maybe not clear, but they, uh, that they have it in their minds, hearts and souls, that he should if he doesn't. In other words, the Democrats in Congress and the Senate, and all Democrats, let's face it, think that everyone owes them an explanation. Uh, I'm sorry, but the last time I remembered what I learned in elementary school, we elect people and they work for us. Bingo. Here we see Schakowsky and Schiff both with the tood that some things uh, they never learn. Uh, or if they did, have tossed that onto the same pile as limited government, federalism, the U.S. Constitution, and liberty. Exactly right. It, they just don't believe in it. Personal liberty is not something the Democrats value. It just isn't, and it never will be, frankly. Why, Jan, does Musk have to explain anything to you? He doesn't live in Illinois, didn't vote for you, has probably never even met you. So why is it with respect to the First Amendment's freedom of assembly and conversely not having to assemble with anyone you don't want to, uh, is it a mistake? Is she thinking that she's the female version of Don Corleone and Musk has to kiss her ring? I wouldn't kiss anything Jan Tchaikovsky had, uh, had ever touched or thought about touching. Uh, and Mr. Schiff... So what if he actually runs Twitter into the ground? Okay, so good. what if he did? What if Twitter goes straight to hell? Doesn't exist anymore. Aren't the Democrats been bitching about Twitter for years now, basically? Ever since Trump was elected, they hate Twitter, they hate Twitter, they hate Twitter, they hated talk radio, they hate blogs, they hate right-wing uh, writers, columnists, they always bash them, always call them. They, so if it was running to the ground, wouldn't people like Schiff, shouldn't they celebrate? Wouldn't that prove that Free speech is a failed policy, but Schiff's just never happy. And let's face it, if you look like Adam Schiff, you wouldn't be happy either. So if he takes it, all that happens is that no more taxes are taken by the federal government. Oh, taxes. Democrats love them some taxes. And like all control freaks, while he complains about, quote, hate speech, Musk has already rolled out stats that speech that Schiff doesn't like. Uh, hate speech, which is merely speech progressives don't like, mostly from conservative lips. And again, Twitter is Musk's business. Literally, he bought it. He purchased it. He pulled out his wallet and pulled out X number billion dollars and bought it. Whew, wonder what that feels like. Um... And again, that is Musk business. He owns it. If he has it in his mind as a, quote, vanity project, who does care? Certainly Schiff is sticking his government nose where it doesn't belong, in a private person's life and business. But again, Schiff, Tchaikovsky, all the other Democrats, they think 
That is their business. Remember one of the Castro brothers? There was uh, was a Julio and the other one that ran for president and failed badly. Um, I think they're both about five foot tall. They they seem to be almost midgets when I see them on TV. Uh, but they're big in San Antonio, and one of them was the mayor. And a few years ago, he was threatening business, saying, "Hey, if you if you don't support the Democrats, I'm going to make sure people know." What kind of mayor does that? You're threatening businesses. What are you going to do? Shake them down? What are you going to do? Go in and tear their business up? Get some goons? That's the democratic mindset. Why anyone votes for these little turds, I will never, ever fathom, my friends. But again, that is how progressives roll. Everything should be the government's business. And they certainly live and act like that is true. And up yours, both of you. And again, that is from Granite Grok. Skip was the one I was quoting the whole time. Good work there, Skip. No, we used to work with a guy named Skip. I hope you're not like that Skip. And I don't think this Skip is like that Skip. A brown noser. I don't think he is. Because he's not a Democrat. Most Democrats are brown nosers and vice versa. Now, my friends, let's see. The First Street Journal. A gentleman named Dana Pico, great blog, very informative, usually focuses on something in the Philadelphia area because he has a great misfortune to live there. But a couple days ago, he had this uh, headline caught my, caught my eye, and I included it on one of my daily top five posts, which I usually do in the morning. It's usually like the first, second, or third post up on the blog. And here's a headline that caught my eye. The left tells us that they support racial integration. But they really do not. And he goes to the editorial board of the Philadelphia Inquirer. They told us that the violence problem in the city of brotherly love, he writes, is due to the internal segregation of what is overall a very diverse city, city of Philadelphia. However, the Inky has also been very wary of gentrification. Now, I'm sure you've heard that word. It gets used by civil rights uh, agitators. I'm activists, not a- that's mean to call them agitators. Okay, that's not right. It's accurate, but people frown upon it. Uh, but they, you hear them say gentrification a lot. What is gentrification? There is actually a definition of it. Here it is, Dana Pico provides it. Gentrification is the process of changing the character of a neighborhood through the influx of more affluent residents and businesses. People come in, they open businesses, they, they place get, there's more jobs, more people want to go there to go to the restaurants and clubs and, and bars and whatever, uh, sporting goods stores, whatever they have. And it improves the area. Property values go up which is good for people who own property there. Uh, It is common and controversial topic in urban politics and planning. Gentrification often increases the economic value of a neighborhood, but the resulting demographic displacement may itself become a major social issue. Gentrification often shifts a neighborhood's racial or ethnic composition and average household income by developing new, more expensive housing and businesses in a gentrified architectural style and extending and improving resources that had not been previously accessible. So yes, everyone benefits, but it's bad because 
what they're saying it without saying is just more of them damn white people here. We don't need them damn white people around. They dance funny. They put mayonnaise on everything. I never understood that. The criticism of white people put mayonnaise on everything. Not my family. Put in things it belongs in. Coleslaw, mash, uh, macaroni salad, um, potato salad. Uh, we don't put on everything, though. We damn sure don't use Miracle Whip either. That's, those Yankees are responsible for Miracle Whip. I'm just telling y'all. Uh, the gentrification process is typically the result of increasing attraction to an area by people with higher income spilling over from neighborhood cities, towns, or neighboring cities. Further steps for increased investments in a community and the related infrastructure by real estate development businesses, local government, or community activists and resulting economic development, increased attraction of business, and lower crime rates. Stop me when I say something that's bad about gentrification. Actually bad, because I haven't heard anything yet. In addition to these potential benefits, gentrification can lead to population migration, uh, migration and displacement. However, some view the fear of displacement, which dominates the debate about gentrification, because of the BS that race pimps say about it, as hindering discussions about genuine progressive approaches to distribute the benefits of urban redevelopment strategies. So whatever good it actually does, a lot of agitators, a lot of race pimps like Al Sharpton, they don't want it because you're cutting into their profits, man. You know, they, 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 don't, want, uh, they don't want these areas to get Im- improved and safer and more accessible to other people and have new businesses and jobs and increased property values. And and again, stop me when I say something bad. Now, while Philadelphia and the Inquirer haven't been so blatant as to say so directly, Pico writes, the liberal city of Lexington, that's again, neighbor of Philadelphia, has, as we previously noted, uh, Lexington said directly that it was concerned about gentrification and most new owners being more affluent and differing from the traditional residents in terms of race or ethnicity. The city was concerned about white people moving into heavily black neighborhood. Now, if white people choose to move into a black neighborhood, that is called, what is it called? Uh, into integration. I thought the left was for integration. Huh. Now comes the Washington Post, my friends. What do they have to say? Uh, here's a headline from the Washington Compost. White people have flocked back to city centers and transformed them. In the past decade, the white population increased significantly in urban cores across the country, bringing changes both sweeping and intimate. Uh, that piece is, again, from the Washington Post. Uh, Tara uh, Barampour, uh, Melissa J., uh, Marissa J. Lang, and Ted Melnick all wrote this. Uh, in the 20th century, white flight transformed many American cities as white people moved in droves from urban centers to the suburbs in the last decade. That exodus kicked to reverse. The white population increased between 2010 and 2010 and 2020 in hundreds of neighborhoods uh, at the center of many large cities, even as it declined almost everywhere else in the country. This influx, which in some cases began before 2010, uh, but has accelerated and expanded, has brought about new upheavals 
making some of the country's biggest urban cores feel increasingly unrecognizable to longtime black, Hispanics, and Asian residents. Again, here comes the white people screwing things up. Bastards. Uh, let me see. Some remember when they and they, or their families were forced to live in certain inner city neighborhoods restricted by economics or racial covenants from moving to the leafy suburbs. Uh, now many wonder how much integration is really happening between old and new neighborhoods and whether there's still room for them in the neighborhood they call home. Why wouldn't there be? Do you not like white people? Hey, come on, isn't that racism? Isn't racism bad? Uh, Dana Pico writes, The Supreme Court ruled that racial covenants cannot be enforced by state courts back in 1948, and the Fair Housing Act of 1968 made them illegal. The Post is trying to blame something which has been wholly illegal for over half a century. But the Washington Post, what do you expect? Uh, Using census data from 2010 and 2020, uh, on population totals by race, race and ethnicity, the Washington Post identified nearly 800 neighborhood size tracts across the nation with the highest white population gains in these neighborhoods located mostly at the center of major urban areas. The total number of white residents increased by over half a million, while the number of black residents declined by 196,000 and the number of Hispanic residents fell by 45,000. The Asian population declined in traditional Chinatown neighborhoods close to downtown in cities such as Los Angeles, New York, and Philadelphia. Now, Dana Pico asked, wouldn't that be called uh, racial integration? So on with this Dana Pico piece, he asked the question, wouldn't that be called racial integration? Uh, Racial integration is something the left will always say they support. They love it. I mean, they're, they're proud. They love it. They love it. They've always been that. They always said that. The gentrifiers, though, that's the problem. These are usually white couples, sometimes with white children, are choosing, listen closely, my friends, are choosing to spend their own money to fix up previously distressed housing, but they are considered uh uh, concomitantly choosing to live next door to neighbors who are frequently not white. Racists. Now, isn't that the definition of integration? Isn't it? Voluntary integration. This isn't being forced. This isn't being rewarded for some reason. It's, it's people choosing their own free will. But isn't that uh, racial integration and voluntary at that? But somehow... Somehow, uh, well, instead of being considered these white people, obviously very much not racist, shouldn't these be the people the left lauds rather than laments? Yet everything I read about uh, gentrification is always negative. Negative, 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 negative. Uh, Further down from the post in a section on New Orleans, Spurred by on by climate catastrophes, I'm sure that had everything to do with it. Uh, new development in a booming short-term rental industry, gentrification has remade the Big Easy and displaced thousands of Black families, a population that has been shrinking for more than 20 years. In a city where the very culture is bound to African American tradition, the threat of erasure extends beyond the physical. 
Oh, this is doom and gloom. Doom and gloom 101. Oh, my God. They're wiping out black people, basically. They're displacing them. They're replacing them. They're erasing them. It's white supremacy. Uh, cultural analysis, annihilation. Good, good. Cultural annihilation is very real here. See, it's cultural annihilation. It's worse than what the Nazis did, this gentrification stuff. Uh, that is uh, that is from the claim that cultural annihilation is very real here. That's uh, Cheryl Robichaud Austin, who's 68, uh, executive director of the Greater Train Consortium. Uh, consortium, excuse me. I can't pronounce certain words. I know what they are. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But something in my brain's not quite connecting anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's when that mule kicked me. Yeah, mule kicked me when my eyes went crooked. It cooked me again. My eyes went straight again. But man, I what your name again? Uh, anyway, <laughs> that is from the uh, Chevy Chase movies. Vacation movies. One of the movies, the the uncle, the uh, brother-in-law, always played by uh, the crazy guy. Yes. Uh, I can't think of his name now. See what I mean? Kicked by the mule. Uh, but he's always, uh, always torturing uh, Clark Griswold with his uh, kind of inanities and, and looniness. Um, good actor, but he's... He has some issues, I think, in real life. But anyway, uh, Show Robo Show says cultural annihilation is very real. It's slowly decaying, and we see it every day in the neighborhood. We see it when the city has special events, and we don't see black bands. How uh, they're all, how there are all well, those white folks uh, playing in the second line now. Things you never used to see before. She's seeing white people, and she doesn't like it. Some people would call that racist, but we're not allowed to say that. So Dana Pico asks, how can you read that as anything other than a lament that white people have moved into the neighborhood and are participating in the neighborhood? In other words, racial integration. And who's bitching and whining and complaining and moaning and groaning? The left. The racist left, my friends. Those displaced black families, he asked, they had to go somewhere, right? You have minorities who are looking for more affordable housing, so they're moving out to the suburbs, said Derek Hira, a professor of urban policy at American University. Oh, Pico adds, so black families are moving out into the purportedly lily-white suburbs. That's what the left always tell you, not but a bunch of white people in the suburbs. The places to where white city residents fled wouldn't that too be integration yes but it's the wrong kind of integration dana uh when the left tells you that they are all for integration ignore the big statement and look further down into what else they say what else they write it's a long article something only newspapers can do something that really doesn't work in tv the theme is that formerly mostly segregated black or Asian neighborhoods were good things due to the cultures which grew up within them. All that you have to do is change the descriptions to white neighborhoods 
and readers would be screaming that that's racist with five A's. You can't be trying to protect the whiteness of white neighborhoods. That's racist. But if you protect the blackness or Asianness or Hispanicness of those neighborhoods, then you're a racial savior. See, integration is good unless they don't like it, unless it doesn't prove what they want it to prove. And the American left, he writes, can't even see it, can't even understand what they've written and what they want. Amen, Dana Pico's a good guy, good writer. Uh, check his uh, check his website out, the First Street Journal. I link to it with Delegator, obviously. Uh, Dana, keep up the good work. I'm done, my friends. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, whatever. Enjoy your weekend. God bless. I will be back uh, uh, perhaps tomorrow. I will not be here Sunday. It's the Super Bowls. It's like a holiday. There's a football game and everything, and I... I guess I have to predict it. I'll even give you a score. Are you ready? Chiefs 37, Eagles 35. How's that? The uh, uh, the uh, winning drive will be engineered by Patrick Mahomes. He will be the MVP. And the Chiefs will be three-time Super Bowl champions. And the Eagles will be three-time Super Bowl losers. Although they did beat the Patriots once, which made me happy because I was so sick of the Patriots. So there you go. A little over 30 minutes again. I apologize. I'm doing my best, but you got to get some information there. I got to be me. I've got to be me, man. Okay, if I'm not me, who's going to be me? You? You can't be me. I can't be you. That would be racist or something. God bless y'all. Enjoy your Friday evening. I will be back manana. And remember, if you're left, you're just ain't right. God bless America. And go Gators. God bless you, my friends. Take care.